Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm having trouble with fat fingering buttons today. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third hour of the Live with Rank show. And as promised from the Heritage Foundation, uh, our monthly discussion with the program manager of Civil Society and American Dialogue, Terrace Todd, as well as there uh, is Katie Gorka is going to join us. She's now the fellow of the Civil Society and American Dialogue. So let's wel- welcome them to the show. Uh, good morning and uh, welcome, uh, Terrace. And, well, I just hung up on uh, Terrace, so maybe he'll get back to us. <laughs> good. Hold on a second. I think, like I said, I have just... Uh, <laughs> I know. I know what I'm going to do. We're going to do this. Uh, maybe it's this. Uh, Terrace, are you there? Hello, Terrace? Hold on, we'll try it one more time. Now, Terrace, are you there? Yes, I'm All here. All right, now we got Now, Hey, I did it right. Both Katie and... You're there still, right, Katie? I'm here. All right, well, I appreciate you coming on. You guys wanted to come on and talk about parental rights and education uh, when it comes from what Heritage Foundation is doing. So I yield the floor to uh, whoever wants to take over. I'll, I'll take over. Uh, Terrace, you want me to get started? Sure, okay. yeah, please uh, do. Yeah, so, uh, Ryan, first of all, it's so great to be on your show. Um, we're just really excited about what we're seeing across the country. I know everybody's aware of it. We've all seen the, the incredible YouTube videos of parents standing up at school board meetings and standing up for their kids' education. Um, but there's something else going on, and it's, I think it's really an extraordinary movement for American democracy where parents are taking back power from the government, from the government schools, from the teachers' unions. And we're just super excited about it. Um, you know, we've got a big fight on our hands, what the Biden administration is pushing as far as especially on the gender issues is really scary. Uh, you know, they basically want to do away with sex. They want to do away with male and female. Uh, they've got this idea of gender, which is whatever you think it is. It's crazy. Um, but there are bills being passed across the country for parents' rights, and it's good news. I've been back telling my listeners the last segment of the last hour that it is a very important position to start at and just try to get onto a local school board. And even if you contact some of the Republican chairs of the counties, uh, you can get mentors to help you uh, figure out how to do that. Cause that's very, very important to take back control and bring some common sense uh, to that uh, board. I uh, couldn't agree more. I think running for school board is, is so important. Um, a lot of people are intimidated by the idea of it, but there are great resources out there to help people. I've mentioned a couple um, leadership Institute. You can find it online. They provide great resources for free for school board candidates Freedom Works is another organization providing training for people who want to run for school board. Um, now the Heritage Foundation, we are starting a training for people who actually get elected to school board. There is so much support out there for, for parents who are willing to step up and do that. Terrace, would you like to add something? Yeah, she's absolutely right. As a matter of fact, it's cool that she mentioned those um, two organizations, uh, Leadership Institute and Freedom Works, because I was just at a breakfast um, this morning with those folks, and uh, the president of Freedom Works was actually reporting out on uh, these very issues that we're talking about today. So, um, 
Uh, also, one thing that uh, I want to point out, too, and I'm glad that Katie mentioned about just really being excited about what parents are doing is because um, one of the stories that we are definitely privy to, and I know this couple very, you know, very well, um, out of Baltimore, Giovanni Patterson and his wife, Shonda. I mean, you know, they have even stepped out there um, to actually sue Baltimore City Schools uh, for their uh, total failure of students for a number of years. And so uh, these are just one, that's just one example of how these families are actually starting to come forward and really take bold steps to take back their kids' education. What needs to be done? That is exactly what needs to be done. And how, how is Heritage, well, it sounds like you're starting up this program uh, that will uh, facilitate that. Uh, what else is Heritage doing to uh, help, uh, I guess, people understand what's going on out there and the resources that they can go to to address it? Oh, a lot of what Heritage does is the deep dive policy analysis, which is super, super important. We've got just incredible experts doing that work. And then part of what Terrace and I do is Terrace and I take some of that content and we translate it um, for parents, basically, um, you know, producing simpler versions, helping parents understand. But a lot of what we do as well um, is we help, we really want more parents to see the terrible stuff that's happening in schools. I mean, it's critical race theory. It's these really invasive surveys that get into kids' sexual habits. Um, and, and now you've got this terrible phenomenon of the, the transgender ideology where you, we're hearing story after story of schools who think it's okay to start kids on gender transition plans without informing parents. So right now, we just need more parents to be paying attention to their schools, watching what's happening. And, you know, this is a great step for parents. Not everybody wants to run for school board, but there's still a way to really play an active role. And that is, if you know what's going on in the schools and you don't like it, help educate other parents. Um, I know that changing the law is really important, but the law itself is not going to fix this. This is not going to be solved until parents are really engaged and really taking an active role in what they're allowing to come into their children's school. We're speaking with uh, Katie Gorka, fellow of the Society, uh, excuse me, fellow from the Heritage Foundation's Civil Society and American Dialogue and Terrace Todd, a program manager uh, from that and Battle Creek resident when he's not in Washington, D.C. or somewhere else. Uh, and this is to either of you. Why do you think people on the left, or at least politicians and uh, people who work with them on the left, want to push this stuff on kids who are four, five, six, seven, eight years old? The whole gender issue and the whole sex issue and the whole, uh, you know, transgender, all that stuff. What what do you think their ultimate goal is in doing so? Terrence, do you want to take a shot at that? No, I think you better because I have, I don't want to uh, trigger anyone. I'll let you do it. <laughs> you let Katie trigger someone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll let Katie trigger. Yeah, I will happily trigger. Rank, I do not know. I think it is insane the way some of these teachers and librarians and, and school administrators are digging their heels in to defend some of this truly pornographic content that's in the schools. 
and to defend the, the, the teaching of sexuality and, and gender transition to young children. I, I throw my hands up in dismay because it just seems nothing short of satanic and pure evil to me. Uh, I've been okay, trying. Now, Go ahead, Terrace. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Rank. And see, she said a key word that triggered me. So now I need to chime in on this. And, um, and I'm glad she mentioned it's um, uh, the spiritual side of things because it truly is a spiritual thing. And I, I really what it's, I really believe what it's done is really exposed what's been going on in the schools all along. Um, these individuals are actually grooming their kids. <laughs> you know, I've worked in that industry for a number of years. I've worked in a residential treatment facility at Star Commonwealth. Bless the people over at Star Commonwealth and Albion, because I learned a whole lot working with SRY kids, that sexually, sexually reactive youth. And I learned a ton of um, information and, and just behaviors about grooming. And so these are grooming types of behaviors, and that's exactly what's going on. So I'm glad Katie mentioned that because it is a spiritual thing for sure. What do you mean by sexual reactive youth? Uh, these are individuals who have been groomed. In other words, they have uh, um, committed uh, sexual offenses towards, you know, minor, or they too themselves have been, um, you know, offended at some point in their lives. And so they're perpetuating the same behavior on even younger children. You know, I've worked with students or, you know, young um, people there uh, that were actually sentenced there either by the courts or by some kind of a, a probation, um, uh, probation kind of a, um, charge, I guess, you know, that actually required for them to go through Star Commonwealth in order to work themselves back into society. So, so yeah, so sexually reactive youth are those who have been offended or they've cre uh, committed offenses sexually towards uh, minors. And, and so I work with that population. And you saw that coming from someone grooming them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times it's, you know, people close to children, you know, and that's exactly why they would start young because, you know, the most innocent of us, uh, of them all are children. You know, children can't, again, split those hairs between, you know, like she mentioned, you know, theory and what's truth and whatnot. But one thing for certain is children are very trusting. You know, they're very innocent. And in their innocence, there are some adults that really prey on that innocence and they begin to groom them. You know, they lure them in just to be able to uh, offend them at some point in time. And so I see that pattern that's happening. And, and again, it is a spiritual thing. And, um, and so I believe what's happening now, why they're pushing for legislation and trying to go around Congress and pass things through the Department of Education kind of a stuff. You know, I really believe they are pushing this agenda because it, it, it all ties into grooming, you know, grooming children. And that's exactly, again, tied to the open border, right? They know that trafficking is taking place through our open border. Why are they not doing anything? Because this is all a part of the game. You know, they know what's going on. Why, why wouldn't we take a hard stance against something like that and children being trafficked? Because, quite frankly, I mean, it's evil. But when you don't see a hard push against it, that means, you know, they're for it. But, the, <laughs> but then why are all these Democrat politicians behind this or allowing it to happen? You know, someone I wants... I think it's because of funding. I, I, I think there's a lot of funding behind this. Yeah, um, these absolutely. radical leftist um, donors. I mean, it's incredible when you look at the donor organizations um, and and where they're putting their money. And I, I think it's a money issue, a lot of it. And then the ideology, this progressive, this progressive ideology just kind of seeps through. So now if you're on the left, you have to embrace the transgender ideology. Mm -hmm. True. 
Wow, that's crazy. Any last words you guys would like to uh, say to my my uh, listeners? Again, on air with me, it's from the Heritage Foundation in D.C., fellow of Civil Society and American Dialogue, uh, Katie Gorka, and program manager of the Civil Society and American Dialogue, Terrace Todd. Any last words to my listening audience? Rick, I would just love to say that I, as a parent, kind of ignored some of these, you know, early problems when my kids were a bit younger, and I just, I really regret it. I think it was ignoring the small things that allowed us to get to this incredible state of crisis that we're in today. So I just encourage every listener to do whatever they can, whether it's run for school board, whether it's educate on their parents, whether it's helping a friend who's running a school board. There is so much that we as citizens can do. And if we want to maintain our self-governing republic, we can't sit back any longer. We have got to get involved. Thank you, Katie. And Terrace? Yep. Uh, uh, well said, Katie. And I want to also um, uh, take people to heritage.org if they want to receive more resources from our organization uh, to collect information or whether we can actually help in any kind of way. Please, again, go to heritage.org and um, maybe look at a lot of the resources that we have there. Get in on our newsletter, become a member, make a donation, that kind of a thing. We would love to uh, help any way that we can. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for coming on air. Appreciate that. Good luck. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Frank. All right. You guys have a great day. 269-441-9595 is the number. I know we've been having a lot of interviews, but I thought it was pretty interesting. And that coming from directly from the Heritage Foundation and what they're seeing in D.C. and what they're concerned about. Uh, And yes, if some of you are wondering, is she related to Sebastian Gorka, uh, who worked with Trump, uh, was on Trump's in his administration for a while, and now uh, he does the pain commercials. That's his wife, Katie. You listen to Live with Rake. We'll take a quick break. Lines are now open. 269-441-9595. You listen to Live with Rake. And for that, I thank you very, very much. I thought we had uh, a nice, uh, interesting interview with both those uh, people from the Heritage Foundation and how important it is on what's going on out there. And that's why prior to talking with them uh, and the last segment of the last hour, we brought up this, this uh, Ohio introduces don't say gay bill. There is no don't say gay bill, but that's what the Hill is uh, pushing. So they feel they need to do it because they need a pushback to all this craziness that's going on out there. And those of you who may be um, Democrats or liberals and realize that this is just a step too far. We're hoping that you, at least on this issue, uh, join us and make that point. This is just a step too far. This is not right. What are these people getting out of this? That's what I, I, I can't understand. I don't want a, certainly mine or any, Four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old being taught about about their sexual parts and their sex and their, uh, let alone all this other stuff. All that stuff's way over their heads. I am not one of those people who thinks that, well, you got to get them as early as possible. They're not mentally developed to... To understand these these issues. And all you're going to do is confuse them. 
then unfortunately, when you have groups like or news, news, quote unquote, news organizations like The Hill, we're going to sit there and make up something that's not there. So people start right away before they read their article, if they do read it, in a frame set or a mindset that is incorrect. 269-441-9595. Earlier in the show, we spoke about uh, Congressman Upton, who announced his retirement yesterday. And I spoke about it only in regards uh, to uh, a piece that I wrote out with up out with the Upton, in with the Heisinga. So that was out with the old, in with the new. And I was trying to play a fancy game with it. And Steve would like to uh, discuss uh, that issue. So let's go to the phone lines. And Steve, welcome to the show. Good morning, Rank. Good program. Thank I you. Appreciate what uh, what you're doing here. You know, you're educating people regarding people running for office and as well as the importance of education, which has been dominated by liberal, not just, not really liberal, but mostly Marxist socialist professors. And then it's seeped down into the uh, K through 12 system to a point where, fortunately, this is one of the positive things of, of COVID that brought people to the forefront and people, parents saw what was really going on in the school system. So I appreciate what you've, you know, what you put together today. Thank you. In regards to Fred Upton, um, again, I, I grew up in the St. Joe area. I know the Uptons. I know the uh, Stockman Upton group real well. And uh, that's Dave Stockman. Dave Stockman was congressman, and then Mark Siljander became congressman, and then Fred Upton became congressman. So I know all of them, and uh, the one in the middle, Mark Siljander, is a personal friend of mine. Okay, so I know the I know what they did. They were, you know, if Steve Kara had stayed in the race, and Donald Trump had given Steve Kara the had had remained as the Trump endorsed candidate, um, Fred knew that he was going to win. And so he ran $250,000 worth of advertising. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, and I was one of them, contacted the Trump organization and let them know that the district had changed and that, um, <clears throat> that Steve Carroll didn't have, didn't have a chance to win. And uh, obviously other people uh, within the inner circle of Donald Trump let them know. And um, Donald Trump sat down with, obviously, Steve Kira and said, hey, I'm going to give the endorsement to Bill Heisinga because Bill's been loyal. And Bill got the endorsement. And, um, and, in fact, just kind of a side thing, at the rally in Washington Township in Michigan, Donald Trump endorsed Steve Kira for re-election to a state rep seat. So that was – and he was he – was, personally mentioned by Donald Trump. So, um, so anyway, uh, with Fred Upton seeing that it came down to a one-on-one -on -one race and that he had, um, he had voted for, uh, Trump's impeachment and what, and the reaction of what happened at, uh, it, within the different county parties and even rank, even in Berrien County, the, the the party there 
uh, disciplined Fred Upton. So when he saw all that, and it was a one-on-one race, he knew that uh, his uh, career as a congressman was going to end. And that's why he did what he did, because otherwise what would have happened is he would have remained congressman. And the plan always has been with the Stockmans and the Uptons has been to groom somebody to take Fred place and then support that person and endorse that person. And Fred would have uh, announced his retirement just maybe a week or less than a week before the deadline for people to file. That's what they're that's what their whole game plan has been for 60, 70 years. So you, your belief is that, in your opinion, is that he would have ran if Kara would have stayed in the race and split the votes, which would have given him uh, more than likely the win. And you don't believe it's just because he's he's done, you know? Yeah, he spent a quarter of a million dollars, but that was money that he had... Uh, to spend in his campaign, and maybe he just wanted a uh, a nice, soft goodbye. Well, I, and I think you kind of ferreted things out uh, a little bit, Rank, earlier when you constantly said, you know, I'm, I'm hearing his ads because I was one of the people that mentioned to you that his ads were running and where to go look at them, um, and that he was running, and you said hey, you know, he's running all these ads. It seems like he's running, but I haven't heard a, you know, a formal announcement. And that was a part of his process was to start running those ads to see what kind of reception he was going to get. And that came right about the same time that uh, Trump transferred his endorsement to Bill Heisinger. And then all of a sudden, you didn't hear any more advertisement for a while, and it got quiet. Well, let me ask you this. Why would you think Bill wouldn't be someone he would want there? Too conservative? Well, it's, it's, not, about, it's not about another candidate. It's about Berrien County Republicans and really um, not the Republican Party. Berrien County Rhino Republicans, the Stockman Upton Group, Okay, now Fred Upton, uh, his no, I hear yeah, no, I heard all that, but I'm saying okay. why not Bill? Because the Berrien County people always have wanted to control the party politics in whatever district it was. Years ago. It was the 4th Congressional District. All right, so if I may, because I'm running out of time, sorry. So your point being is that he, because he's an established congressman and he couldn't have influence necessarily, uh, that's why he wouldn't support Bill. Not that he has anything against him. It's just that he isn't a guy that he groomed and that, that person then owes some allegiance to him. Absolutely. I'll give you an example. John Prost, who was a state rep and a state senator, Fred Upton should have retired back then and gave it to John Prost, but John Prost was pro-life and too conservative for Fred Upton, so Fred Upton looked him over. In fact, John Prost worked for Fred Upton in his district office uh, and represented Fred when Fred was in Washington, D.C., so he, he was looking for somebody that was more of the rhino-type person to take his place, and they may have been grooming or trying to get somebody prepped.
But they obviously didn't find anybody, or I would have heard heard who they were pushing. All right, uh, Steve, thanks a lot for calling in. Appreciate that. You listen to Live with Rank. We'll be right back after this. Lines are open, 269-441-9595. That's some pretty in-depth analysis, huh? Rank, thank you very much for that. In furtherance of what we were discussing with uh, Katie Gorka and Terrace Todd from the Heritage Foundation and what's happening at our schools and the unfortunate act that these state governments, state reps, state senators, first Florida, now Ohio, and I think there's a third one out there, have to pass bills telling these teachers and administrators that, you know, you can't push all these sexual things on our four, five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds. The one regarding Ohio has K through three. I think you can't do anything. Let me see here. Public kindergarten through third grade teachers would not be permitted to, quote, teach, use, or provide any curriculum or instructional materials in sexual orientation or gender identity, end quote. Educators for grades four through 12 under the bill would be barred from engaging in instruction related to sexual orientation or gender identity in a manner that is not, quote, age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards, end quote. See, this is, again, I, I don't care who it comes from. And when it comes from the, the right, in this case, how do you determine what's age appropriate or developmentally appropriate? Now, it says in accordance with state standards, so maybe there's some type of direction there. The Biden administration the other day promoted the use of puberty blockers for transgender children by citing a study from the LGBT group funded in part by people who manufacture drugs used in gender reassignment. In statements commemorating Transgender Day of Visibility, the White House and Department of Health and Human Services cited research from the Trevor Project to support the use of puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and sex reassignment procedures in children seeking to change genders to the Trevor Project's donors, Abby Vi and Allergan, make drugs and medical products used in the medical gender transition process. And that's who they used. Let's go to Kalamazoo and Dave. Good morning, Dave. Welcome. Hey, good morning. You're doing a good job. I really like listening to you guys. Thank you. Great. But, uh, I, I, I don't understand why people don't see what's going on here. You know, it's, it's uh, I, I was married to the world's greatest liar for 15 years, and uh, and, I, and I never even voted before. On top of that, and then when Trump came along, I seen somebody say the same thing in every state. You know, he didn't thread the needle like they call it lying, whatever. So anyway, I really got uh, interested in politics. Then I knew we were going to lose our country if, if Hillary Hillary got voted in. So anyway, I'm one of the millions that voted for him right then. It's like uh. So you had voted before, but you voted for Trump because you were concerned about the losing of our country. Oh, if, if Trump wouldn't have won, it would have been gone. If Hillary would have had it, it would have been over with. And I, I think we all, millions of people saw that. They never voted before. 
But anyway, what, what's happening here, can being married to the world's greatest liar, it's like I'm cursed with this ability to see what's going on. It's like I'm married to the Democratic Party, you know what I mean? It's pretty obvious. Here's what, here's what I'm seeing. Okay, when, before Trump came along. So you're saying you used to be a Democrat. Is that what I'm understanding? No, no, if I was enough, I never voted. Never, everybody lied. I never paid attention. It didn't okay. matter. You mean, everybody's, I couldn't tell who's telling you. Mean, they're all saying okay. something different. Okay. So how do I, I figured one would balance out the other. I never even paid attention to it. But then I seen how bad it was getting with Hillary. I knew, I seen how corrupt they were, you know? We couldn't, our country couldn't take another, right. another four years of that. So, anyway, here's, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on with the kids. All right. So before Trump came along, the Republicans, no matter what the Republicans came up with, the Democrats, and they tried so hard to make sure it wasn't racist. Whatever they did, the, the Democrats would make it racist. And then, and then the news agencies would, would attack them on top of that. They'd have to come back in and cow down, you know, and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You mean they, they, they were beaten down. No matter what they did, they could use that against them. Now the, the Democrats are losing that. They're losing the black vote. They're losing the Mexican vote. So now that they need to keep racism's all they got. They got to keep that going. So you think that the reason they're allowing this to happen is because they're concerned about these specific groups, uh, the black community or the Hispanic community and losing the Latino vote, Hispanic. Uh, that's why they want to go to these people. Uh, uh, they got they got nothing. Everything okay. Racism. All right. Thanks. I got to go. I got to had, had some long uh, breaks before. I got to go right. I mean, long segments. Got to take a shorter one now. You listen to Live with Rank. We'll be right back after this. You listen to Live with Rank. I was telling you before that last phone call about the White House who's pushing puberty blockers for trans kids or kids that maybe they do believe that they're uh, trapped in their body or maybe their parents are pushing it that way. Not really sure. But I found this interesting, this article in the Washington Free Beacon, when it says, quote, the White House said in its fact sheet on transgender day of visibility that children who identify as transgender have, quote, the right to access gender affirming health care, end quote. Again, this came from the White House in its fact sheet on transgender day of visibility. The children who identify as transgender have, quote, the right to access or access gender-affirming healthcare, end quote. And I thought to myself, I wrote it in my notes here, do children have the right to anything else they want? That's why you're a parent. You're supposed to guide your child. And who's to say if it's all coming from your child... And not being pushed from anybody else, including you, that they feel that they're trapped in their body. There's been plenty of studies and work that show that young people who go through this transition regret it. Many regret it later in life. You can't make such huge decisions at that age. And again, if you're relying on the right to access transgender affirming, the children should have the right to access gender affirming health care, quote unquote. Then they should have the right to do anything else they want, right? How many stupid things you did, I did, others did as a child. 
You don't know who you are at five, six, seven, eight years old. Do you think most people, most children know that's what they want to be for the rest of their life? No, I don't think one does. Solidly. So then the question is why? Again, why are they doing this? And as Katie Gorka said in that interview, she thinks it's money. These groups are funding these people a lot of money and they really, they're going to sell out our children for campaign cash? Because it's either that or they really believe it. And I don't think either one is a good situation or a good decision. You know what's interesting too? So I told you this study that the Biden administration pointed to was funded by, partly funded by, pharmaceutical companies who make drugs that would benefit from what they're doing. Then this, drug companies have ramped up funding for LGBT groups and transgender research in recent years. A group of Stanford researchers who released another influential study this year endorsing hormone treatments received funding from Pfizer and Arbor. Pfizer sells estradiol, an estrogen hormone used by males transitioning to females. Is this really where we've come to that companies or people would sell out children? I hope not. I hope not. No matter what, keep fighting. Keep fighting for your families. Keep fighting for your way of life. Keep fighting for equality. Keep fighting for sure you want to have the best society you can have without racism or bigotry of any kind. Because there's not a lot of people, I shouldn't say, I, there's, there doesn't appear to be a majority yet of people who are fighting for that. And do these politicians really don't see what they're doing when they choose to back this crazy stuff for campaign cash? Because as I said, it's one or the other. They either back it for campaign cash or they just, they don't, or what's, or, uh, or they believe it or they actually believe in it. I don't want heterosexualism. I don't want homosexualism. I don't want anything when it has to sex to be taught to those young kids. There's an appropriate age and at that point you can teach them. How far down you get into the gender stuff, who knows? Did you see yesterday Obama went to the White House? It was sad. Everybody flocked around Obama, and the man who is seated right now as the president was by himself. If you haven't seen that video, I actually, honestly, I'm not joking, felt bad for Joe Biden. I really did. 
After signing an order that was strengthening the Affordable Care Act or the Unaffordable Care Act, Biden went and shook silver hands and saluted the crowd before wandering away from the table, it says here. I saw it. Upon realizing no one was walking with him, Biden lifted his hands in apparent frustration and turned around to see several people, including Vice President Kamala Harris and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, encircling Obama. Biden stared with his back to the cameras for several seconds before continuing to walk away by himself. Now, I know that Obama is a superstar in that that party. But really, the sitting U.S. president? Remember we told you about Yale and how Yale had that protest against free speech. I think there was about 100 people who were there who wouldn't allow a conservative person to speak. And then I updated with you and I said that there were some Berkeley, I think it was the dean of the law school at Berkeley in California, which is a major school, as well as the dean or whatever they called them of the University of California. I can't remember which one. Who said maybe people should not take these hundred kids, hundred and so whatever young adults as clerks because they're against free speech. More than 400 Yale Law students the other day, over 60% of the school students' body signed an open letter against free speech and a police presence on campus. So it was 120 who first did it. I see the numbers here at that conference or at that meeting, conference, whatever. And then 400 reacted by signing saying that they don't believe in free speech. These are Yale law students. Then there's a good article in the Wall Street Journal. Would young people fight for America? Would young people fight for America? We need as many people as we can. And in this case, I think they mean literally fight. Comparing it to what's happening over in Ukraine. Because a recent poll suggested that the, uh, the most would flee from war if it came to the U.S. Is this more of a product of our schools? Keep on demanding more and more from these schools. Get on those school boards and help fight to save America. Appreciate everybody listening to the show today. Thank you very much. I am Rank, and this is The Live with Rank Show.